This is AFF On Air, the Australian Frequent Flyer podcast, bringing you the latest news, tips and tricks for Australian travellers. G'day and welcome to episode 32 of AFF On Air. It's Saturday the 21st of March 2020 and I'm your host Matt Graham. The last few weeks have brought unprecedented pain for the airline industry and sadly, the worst is still yet to come. Australia has closed its borders. Qantas and Virgin will ground all international flights from the end of next week. And tens of thousands of Australian airline staff, as well as tourism and hospitality workers, are now without jobs. The world is slowly shutting down. Two weeks ago, there was still some doubt about whether it is a good idea to travel overseas at the moment. That doubt is now long gone. It's not a good idea right now. In today's extended episode, I try to make sense of what's going on, what does this mean for the airline industry, and for you as a frequent flyer. Coming up, I speak to travel agent and regular guest Alan Lamb about what you can do if you have upcoming flight bookings that are affected by the recent developments. And later in the podcast, I speak to the manager of what could be one of the world's unluckiest hostels. After months of construction work and preparation for the opening, the hostel opened last week and had to close after just two days due to coronavirus, having welcomed only two guests through the doors. I happen to be one of those guests. But first, here's what's making news in the world of airlines and frequent flyer points this fortnight. Let's start with some good news. Both Qantas and Virgin Australia have announced that they will extend the status of all current frequent flyer members for 12 months. In addition, Virgin Australia will gift all of its uh, silver, gold and platinum velocity members with a monthly status credit supplement over the next three months. Qantas and Virgin are not the only airlines that are offering this at a time of reduced uh, travel. Air New Zealand too is extending the status of all AirPoints members by 12 months. And other airlines to offer extensions to their status members include Qatar Airways, Finnair, Virgin Atlantic, Aegean Airlines, Air France and KLM. Unfortunately, though, the circumstances that led to these offers are not positive. It has been undoubtedly a tumultuous week for the aviation industry, and frankly for the world. As the number of coronavirus cases continues to rise exponentially around the world, and new cases are starting to appear in unexpected places, governments all over the world have started reacting by placing harsh new restrictions on travel and the freedom of movement. From last Monday, Anyone arriving in Australia from overseas is now legally required to self-isolate for 14 days. Cruise ships have also been banned from docking in Australia, initially for 30 days. In addition, on Wednesday, the Australian government had updated its travel advice for the entire world to level 4, do not travel. It's not a travel ban as such as Australians are still allowed to leave if they want, But this does have various implications, including for travel insurance, and it's the government saying we strongly recommend that you don't travel right now. Then yesterday evening, the government closed Australia's borders entirely. Now only Australian citizens and permanent residents, as well as their immediate family members, which means spouses and children, and operating flight crews are now allowed into the country. This is unprecedented. Many other countries around the world are now also introducing their own restrictions, which makes it very difficult to navigate um, where you can and can't travel at the moment. And of course, these restrictions are changing all the time as well. And so too has the state of Tasmania introduced their own restrictions. Travellers now arriving from interstate, from mainland Australia, into Tasmania are now required not only to complete an arrival card, but most of these will also now be required to self-isolate for 14 days. Qantas and Virgin Australia both responded to these uh, um, announcements by temporarily suspending all international flights, and this will occur from the end of March. Virgin says that they plan to resume services from the end of May, and Qantas says mid-June, although this could be extended depending on uh, how long the travel bans last. Both airlines have also announced drastic cuts to domestic flights in response to weak demand, as the government bans large gatherings and encourages more people to stay at home and exercise social distancing. However, the government is currently saying that it is still safe to fly domestically. As a result of this, both Qantas and Virgin have been left with little choice but to stand down the majority of their workforces. There have been job losses, but both airlines hope that they will be able to reinstate many of their employees when this crisis is over. Meanwhile, Qantas will close all of its international lounges, stop offering access to all international partner lounges. It will also close all chairman's lounges and some domestic Qantas club lounges from the end of this month. 
Qantas clubs will remain open at domestic airports where there is no business lounge. And at major domestic airports, um, Qantas club members where the lounge is being closed will be directed to the business lounge. Around the world, many other countries are now in lockdown and some airlines have suspended all flights indefinitely. This includes SAS, Scandinavian Airlines, Lot Polish Airlines, Air Baltic, La Compagnie, Austrian Airlines, Brussels Airlines, Rwandair, and Air Serbia. And the list continues to grow. Many other airlines have suspended the vast majority of their flights in the meantime, particularly international flights. The federal government has already provided $715 million worth of assistance to Australian airlines in the form of uh, waived fees and the like, but more may need to be done if airlines like Regional Express and Virgin in particular are to be saved. Meanwhile, the Australian dollar has hit an 18-year low. In some more positive news, uh, and you might have missed it, the much-anticipated Qantas Points Club actually launched this week. You'll automatically become a Qantas Points Club member by earning at least 150,000 Qantas Points during your membership year, with at least 130,000 of those on the ground. Only a maximum of 20,000 Qantas Points um, earned from flying count towards Points Club membership. So this program is squarely aimed at frequent buyers rather than frequent flyers. There's a second tier called Points Club Plus, which you can reach by earning at least 350,000 Qantas Points in a year with at least 330,000 of those earned from non-flying activities. It sounds like a lot, but it could be doable if, for example, you have a large credit card spend or if you churn through a few credit cards each year. The benefits of uh, Points Club membership include Qantas Club passes, Avis car rental upgrades, um, and a few other things, but perhaps the most interesting benefit is the ability to earn status credits for classic flight rewards that are booked using points. In addition, Points Club Plus members can receive complimentary Qantas Club membership. I will cover the Qantas Points Club in a lot more detail in a future episode of this podcast, but for now that's what's making news this fortnight as of the 21st of March. Keep in mind that things are currently changing very frequently, so the situation may already be different by the time you listen to this. And for more regular news and updates, subscribe to the Australian Frequent Fly Gazette or follow AFF on Facebook. Coming up next, I'll chat to Alan Lamb about what you can do if you have bookings that are affected by the recent flight cuts and travel restrictions. Well, if you have any upcoming travel booked at the moment, you're probably wondering if you can get a refund or change your booking. Now, to be quite honest, I've been struggling to keep up with all of the um, airline policies in terms of change fees and refunds and that kind of thing. But one person who has um, who is all over this is a um, regular guest and friend of the podcast, Alan Lamb from NetWave Travel, who is also Mad Rooster on the Australian Frequent Flyer Forum. Welcome back to the podcast, Alan. Hi, Matt. So we're recording this on Saturday morning, the 21st of March, 2020. And I wanted to specifically say that because these policies are changing pretty much daily. So what could be the case now might not be the case tomorrow or next week. But um, yeah, each of the airlines, uh, because most of them are having to cancel um, most or all of their flights at the moment, um, they're in kind of a tricky situation because... um, if they're having to refund everyone's money, then they're going to be in a very, very difficult cash flow situation. But at the same time, if they're cancelling flights, they do have a legal obligation um, in in many countries to refund the money. So um, many airlines have been struggling to get the balance right. Now, Alan, could you just maybe take our listeners through what are the the policies around cancellations and change fees um, of each of the major airlines? Okay, so uh, as part of this, I'll cover uh, Qantas, uh, Virgin Australia, Emirates, Cathay Pacific, Qatar Airways, Singapore Airlines, in New Zealand, Malaysia Airlines, as well as Jetstar. Okay, great. Uh, so Qantas at the moment uh, is for any for any travel between now and the end of May, um, they're allowing free changes, so you're allowed to change your flights to anything uh, until later in the year. I believe it's currently in November that the date's currently set on, um, and if you have an award, uh, that's booked with Qantas, uh, you can currently change or cancel those without penalty as well. Uh, unfortunately, Qantas is not allowing uh, refunds for everyone. Um, however, uh, if your flight has been cancelled or if it's a route that's been suspended, which for the majority of people who are travelling in April and May, uh, their flights will definitely be cancelled, given that Qantas has announced they will be cancelling virtually all international flying, uh, then you will be allowed to uh, refund your ticket uh, free of charge with no penalties. Um, but only once the flight cancellations have been filed in the system, which 
Aquinas is starting to do at the moment, but uh, they haven't. They, they're only they're only uh, started to do that in the last two three days, and so they're slowly uh, flowing through the system. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, if you've got a flight that's uh, later in uh, later in April or uh, possibly May, you may not see these cancellations come through for a little while. Okay. Um, there is also a deadline of uh, the 31st of March if you are wanting to make a change or you want to cancel. Um, now, um, with the change fee waiver, uh, Qantas is uh, allowing you to turn, uh, you can either rebook now and pick new dates or you can cancel uh, cancel and turn it into a credit for the time being and then you can book, rebook later uh, without penalty. You will, however, need to pay the fare difference uh, and any tax difference applicable when you do go to make the change. My recommendation as far as Qantas tickets are concerned, uh, if you are traveling in April or May, uh, my recommendation is to wait and not contact the airline at this point. Wait until the uh, flight is formally canceled and you will see that in your booking when you visit the Qantas website. At that point, you can then call and have your uh, ticket refunded. And I believe Qantas is changing their IT at the moment as well to allow refunds online without penalty. So if if you want to cancel uh, uh, an existing Qantas booking for a voucher, which is something that Qantas has been offering, do you know how those cancellation vouchers are actually going to work? Uh, so those vouchers, basically what happens is uh, they're quite similar to how the gift vouchers work. Uh, so uh, once your ticket's been, uh, well, basically once the reservation for the flats has been cancelled from the booking, the ticket basically turns into a voucher, which will be emailed to you. Now, I believe there's a bit of a delay on those being issued at the moment. Um, but basically, it, uh, it's quite similar to the gift voucher that you would redeem when you buy those online. Okay. And would you have to um, rebook a new flight in the same or higher fare class or on the same route, or is it completely flexible? Uh, no, it has to. So the, uh, the base fare must be equal or higher uh, compared to your original ticket. Now, it doesn't have to be the same uh, route. It doesn't have to be the same destination. It can be a completely different region for argument's sake. So if you had a ticket to, say, Singapore return, you could turn that into, say, a, um, a ticket uh, to LAX and back. What you can't do is to turn a uh, ex-Australia ticket into, say, a Qantas ticket starting from London instead. So it has to, if you if your ticket was originally a, a uh, ex-Australia ticket in Australian dollars, then it has to be a t- uh, has to also be a fare that's ex-Australia as well. Once okay. you go to rebook. And what what about Virgin Australia? Uh, Virgin Australia is allowing changes for anything. Uh, uh, for, sorry, for any travel up until the end of June. Um, rather than May, which is what Qantas is doing. Um, again, Virgin has a change fee waiver uh, in a very similar fashion to Qantas, so very similar rules apply in that respect. Um, if you don't have new dates, you can either book for new dates now or you can um, cancel your booking and turn that into a credit, uh, which can be used later on as well. Uh, again, no penalties would apply when you go to use the, uh, the voucher. Uh, Virgin also has an expiry date uh, as far as when you have to redeem by. I believe it's in the end of November, I think. Um, but again, that's like as Matt mentioned, it, the dates and policies are changing on a daily basis. Absolutely. Um, if you are traveling on an international, um, so if you've got a Virgin Australia international uh, ticket, so if, uh, for Los Angeles uh, then or Tokyo, uh, even though the route is suspended for April and May, you aren't allowed to get a refund. You can only get a credit at this point, uh, which is a little disappointing considering that uh, for Qantas, you are able to get a refund. Uh, if your flight is a domestic flight and the route has been suspended, then you can get a refund, um, but only if the route has been suspended. So um, example of a route that's been suspended, say Brisbane to Launceston, um, and that would be a route that you could get a refund on because of the route no longer operating. Okay. Um, however, if you had, say, like a Sydney-Melbourne, then uh, no, unfortunately, you aren't able to refund that. Okay. I do have to wonder about, um, particularly with the international uh, policy for suspended routes, if you've booked a flight that's no longer operating and they haven't provided an alternative, I'm not sure if, I mean, there's, the Australian consumer law still does apply regardless of what the airline's own policy is. So, um, And under consumer law, if you've booked a service not provided, you should be entitled to a refund. So you might want to test um, Virgin on that if, if you're affected by this. So Virgin is obviously, um, yeah, their, their policy has been changing a fair bit in the last uh, few days. So who knows, we could see uh, potentially more changes with Virgin. Um, they certainly have been updating their policy more than Qantas has. So it might be a bit of a wait okay. and see there. Possibly, yes. Okay. <laughs> okay. And so what about Emirates and the other international airlines? Uh, Emirates is a lot more flexible as far as anyone who's got forward bookings. Uh, so if you've got an uh, Emirates ticket, uh, for virtually anything uh, in the next 12 months, pretty much, um, you are, lab- are able to change free, but no refunds are available. 
Uh, Cathay's pretty generous at the moment. If you've got travel until the end of May, you are allowed to change for free with new dates, uh, or you can cancel and turn it into a credit, or you can even get a refund. Uh, Qatar uh, is allowing changes uh, up until the end of uh, for travel up until the end of September. You're allowed to change it for free, or you can turn it into a voucher. Uh, Singapore Airlines uh, for travel until the end of May um, is allowing you to change uh, for free with new dates, or you can turn it into a voucher as well. Uh, in New Zealand, until the end of, uh, for travel until the end of June, uh, is allowing free changes, um, or you can re uh, get a refund if there are government restrictions that affect you until the end of March only. So only if you've got travel until the end of March, 31st of March. Uh, for travel beyond, uh, so April 1st of April and beyond, unfortunately you can only change for free at this point. Uh, Malaysia Airlines is allowing uh, for travel until the end of May, um, free changes. Uh, there are some certain cases where you are able to obtain a refund if there's government restrictions in place and there is a specific list of conditions and whatnot. Uh, these are listed on the Malaysia Airlines website. Jetstar, however, um, is probably the most restrictive. Uh, unfortunately, they only are allowing um, changes until uh, for travel until the end of May. Um, so you're out to either change the new dates or you may turn it into a voucher, but that voucher must be used within six months. So basically the end of September. Wow, and who knows whether whether all of this is going to be over in six months' time? I mean, that's that it does seem quite restrictive to me. And again, Jetstar being an Australian airline, if you've bought a Jetstar ticket from Australia, I mean, it would be subject to Australian consumer law. So if you have if your flight has been cancelled, you haven't been offered a suitable alternative. I'm not sure how they can legally get away with not giving you an alternative. So that that might be something to keep in mind there. But um, okay, now so so those are the policies of the of the the major airlines that are flying to Australia. Now, if, if you would like to take up the offer and actually change or cancel your flight, I mean, theoretically it's possible, but as anyone who has tried to contact an airline this week would know, I mean, getting in touch with an airline is almost impossible. So if someone does have an existing booking, what, what can they actually do? How can they get in touch with the airline and, and make these changes? Uh, if you booked your, if your ticket was originally booked with a travel agent, um, you do need to go back to that travel agent, even if it's an online travel agent, such as like Webjet, Expedia, you know, Booking.com and so forth. Um, this is because the, the ticket and the booking is owned by the travel agent, and so therefore the airline uh, basically cannot make any changes to those bookings. Uh, unfortunately, there's no use in contacting the uh, airline directly if you have booked with the travel agent. They will un unfortunately be redirecting you back to your travel agency. Uh, so please don't waste your time on calling the airline or clogging up their call center. Uh, if you have booked directly with the airline, then yes, you can make contact with the airline directly. Um, I, I would try social media or calling their call center. Um, you know, obviously being mindful of um, the peak times. So, you know, for example, if you're trying to contact uh, Qantas or Virgin, I, I probably would try and um, keep to like the early hours of the day or late late in the day to avoid the peak times. And you might find that the uh, wait times aren't, aren't so long. Although I definitely have noticed that the uh, call center wait times have improved lately in the last two, two or three days. Okay, that's really good to know because uh, I know Virgin... Uh, and actually, Virgin wasn't the only airline effect affected by this, but in the Philippines, they basically had to evacuate all of the call centers because of new government lockdown restrictions. And so Virgin's main call center, which is in Manila, was out of action, I think, from about Tuesday or Wednesday. Um, so yes. and at the time, they were telling people, please don't call us unless you're traveling in the next day. So has, has that been uh, kind of improved now, do you think? I, I believe all, um, most, if not all, calls are still going to the Brisbane call center for Virgin Australia, mainly because their call center in Manila is still shut. Uh, I don't think I know uh, Jetstar has their call center in in, uh, in the Philippines. I don't believe it's in Manila though, so I don't think they are affected. Um, Qantas, I believe, also has a call center in uh, in the Philippines, but I'm unsure where that is. Um, but they possibly may also be affected. Yeah, Qantas uh, does have other, other call centers, though. Thankfully. Yes, uh, but my my recommendation, at least as, as as per what Matt has said, is that uh, unless your travel is in the next two days, you know, for, so 48 hours or so. Please don't call the airlines because the uh, until you know you are within forty eight hours purely because the uh, the call centers are very busy at the moment. Yeah, yeah. If you're traveling in May or June or, or beyond that, it might be best just to wait a little bit and give them some time and space. Um, now, as a as a travel agent, you've obviously had clients who have been affected by this, and you've um, been trying to to change their bookings on on your client's behalf. Um, what's your experience been like doing this over the last week or so? Uh, it's been an interesting road uh, for the last um, you know, week, week and a half. Um, I first started actively, well, proactively, I should say, evacuating my passengers uh, since the 10th of March. Uh, so I started with 
some of the countries in Europe which had the larger number of cases, uh, as well as the uh, areas in the US that had a larger number of cases. Um, so I've been actively proact sorry, proactively uh, evacuating those uh, passengers back to their home soil, uh, which I was largely finished with uh, by Saturday last week on the 14th of March. Uh, so pretty much all of my clients were back on home soil by Monday this week, um, the last of which arrived on Thursday morning. Oh, that's that's great. And uh, have you have you been relatively successful with being able to get in touch with airlines and, and making those changes? Uh, yes, I'm I'm lucky to uh, have uh, quite supportive contacts at uh, a number of different airlines. So I have been able to uh, evacuate almost everyone for completely free of charge. Um, I had one passenger that unfortunately had to pay twenty nine Australian dollars, but I mean that's obviously not going to break the bank in this case. Um, but no, I I think I've personally done quite well in terms of getting everyone home. Oh, that's great. And uh, so with, with the do not travel warning now that's been put in place by DFAT, if um, if you have a booking that you can't get a refund for out of your airline, um, does travel insurance now cover this? Uh, some travel insurances will cover uh, in the case of a pandemic or an epidemic. Uh, obviously, with the WHO, how, uh, however, now actually uh, form, formally calling it a pandemic, uh, that has now activated the uh, travel cancellation cover that um, comes with the travel insurance with the Platinum Charge cards and the Centurion cards with American Express. And I'm sure there's probably other policies as well. I mean, there's obviously a lot of policies out there, uh, but there would be a number of policies that will now pay out because it's uh, it's a pandemic or an epidemic, uh, especially with the uh, DFAT do not travel um, advisory. However, unfortunately, there's also a lot of um, travel insurance policies out there and that probably you know, accounts for the majority of policies out there. Um, these policies... Yeah, specifically exclude pandemics and uh, pandemics and epidemics, and unfortunately, those policies are essentially uh, useless right now. Um, I do have a word of warning though for passengers um, who are still overseas. Um, you may find that uh, with some ins uh, insurance policies, uh, because of the DFAT do not travel warning, um, you may actually now find that your policy is now void because of that. Yeah, that so is, you may actually have no cover at all. That is certainly a problem. Yeah. Uh, and certainly if, if you leave Australia now, um, it's almost certain that you won't have insurance cover um, with the do not travel warning for the whole world. Absolutely. I'm pretty sure every uh, or the vast majority of policies have uh, exclusions like that. So it would yeah, be very unwise to be traveling outside the country right now. Yeah. Just just finally, Alan, uh, we talked in a in a recent episode about the uh, Finnair Around the World Fairs and some recent changes. Yes. Uh, Finnair is making some more changes to, these, uh, to their fairs from next month. What can you tell us about those? That's correct. Uh, these changes are supposed to happen uh, at the start of April, but uh, given the current climate with uh, coronavirus, uh, we could see those delayed. We're not, I'm not uh, currently that certain. Um, uh, some of uh, some of the readers on Australian Frequent Flyer may have noticed there's uh, someone did actually start a thread on Australian Frequent Flyer about uh, Finnair introducing some new fare types, uh, in particular unbundling their business class fares. Uh, so there's now going to be like a business light uh, product, very similar to what uh, Emirates. Mm. Has done with their um, with their H class fares in certain markets. Uh, however, these uh, business light fares will not be coming to Australia. They have uh, ex explicitly excluded the Australian and New Zealand markets from this uh, change. Um, another change that's happening uh, is that there will be a new uh, fifth class that's going to be added to business class. So previously it was just J, C, D, and I. They're going to be adding um, R class, which used to be an economy class. So this will now become a business class uh, fare bucket. Uh, and it's it's going to sit just like above I class, so the business class class sorry business class classes will be going to A C D R and I. Uh, it will mean that they will be introducing an extra fare level um, for R class. I think there's going to be some minor shuffling of the uh, the D and I class fares as well to account for that. Okay, but with the business like fares not coming to Australia, I think we got off kind of lightly there. <laughs> Sounds okay to me. Yes. Yes, uh, the, the, the bulk of the changes that were going to happen in the Australian and New Zealand markets did actually happen in uh, September last year. So uh, for the foreseeable future, there'll be uh, fairly minor changes going forward for now. Uh, but who knows? I mean, Finera has obviously made a number of changes in the last six months. Uh, so there could be some more changes coming. Uh, but it's probably a little bit too early to discuss those given the current climate. Absolutely. I mean, so much could, uh, like the, the aviation industry could be completely changed in six months' time. We just don't know at this point. So. Yes. Uh, interesting times ahead. Well, thank you very much, Alan Lamb, for coming back on to the podcast. Thank you again, Matt. Well, I myself have been caught out by some of the travel restrictions that have been introduced over the last week or so. 
Last week I was in Portugal, first in Lisbon and then in the Azores Islands, which are in the Atlantic Ocean between Europe and North America. Now, for a bit of background, I've been based for the last few months in Austria, and I have an apartment in Vienna. Around two hours after I arrived in Ponta Delgada in the Azores last week, I learned that Austria was going into lockdown and would shut its borders to many of its uh, neighbouring countries imminently. I'd barely been at this point at my hotel in Ponta Delgada for an hour when I decided to pack up my things and I went straight back to the airport. There was uh, still one flight available that night with TAP Portugal, um, and I had booked my flight back to Vienna with TAP, but they refused to let me change my ticket. Their, po- their change fee waiver policy was only applicable to bookings more than 21 days out, which is ridiculous. But um, in any case, I wasn't able to change it, and, um, and I was also unable to buy a new ticket. So I ended up having to fly back the following evening. Now, honestly, that trip home was stressful, and I can tell you that the fear of not knowing whether you're going to be able to return home is very real. I can only imagine how desperate those Australians currently stuck in Peru must be. In the end, I did stay for a full day in the Azores, and I have to say that is one of the most beautiful parts of the world I have ever seen. There is some amazing culture and history and architecture, incredible natural beauty, and very, very good wine and seafood. Um, it's really it's an island paradise, and I wish I could have stayed longer. Um, I just I do hope that once the situation around the world returns to normal, I can return there. Now, on the day that I arrived in Ponta Delgada, um, there had not yet been any reported cases of coronavirus on San Miguel Island. Nonetheless, uh, everyone was questioned on arrival, and we had to provide our travel history and contact details before we could get off the plane. A day later, they stepped up the checks, and um, I flew back the next day to Pont- uh, from Ponta Delgada to Lisbon, and the- that flight was delayed because it took such a long time for the inbound flight from Lisbon to disembark. Why is that? Well, the Azores authorities decided while that particular inbound flight was in the air, just a day after I arrived, that all of the passengers would be required now to fill out a form and to complete a health check on arrival, and uh, passengers were only allowed to deplane three at a time. About a day after this, um, the Azores implemented another new rule that anyone arriving on the islands would have to self-isolate for 14 days, which is quite a step up and it all happened very quickly. And come to think of it, that's actually almost exactly what Tasmania has done this week. Now, I did make it back to Austria last Sunday, and um, that very evening the country was placed into lockdown. So at the moment in Austria, meetings of more than five people are banned. You're not allowed to leave your house except to buy food and medicine, do essential work that can't be done from home, to seek medical treatment, or to help someone that's in need. You can go outside for a walk, but only with people that you live with or alone, and it's discouraged. And there are large fines for anyone caught breaking these rules, and the result is that Vienna, which is normally a vibrant city, has become effectively a ghost city. It's it's really quite surreal. The measures are harsh, but they are necessary given the heartbreaking events that we're seeing happening just over the border in Italy. And to be honest, I would not be surprised if something similar is introduced in Australia in just a few weeks. I hope it doesn't come to this, but yeah, I mean, nothing after this week, nothing really surprises me anymore, I'm sorry to say. Meanwhile, Austrian Airlines and Lauda, uh, which are both airlines based in Vienna, have now suspended all flights, and there are now just a handful of airlines that are still providing service out of Vienna International Airport. Because there is a small risk that I might have been exposed to the virus while I was in Portugal, I decided that the responsible thing to do when I got back to Vienna would be to self-isolate for two weeks. Um, I don't feel unwell, but I I did think it would be a, a responsible thing to do. And luckily, some friends have been helping me out with groceries um, interestingly, that these friends do tell me that the supermarkets are actually fairly well stocked at the moment and there are plenty of supplies, including fresh food. So um, there's really no need to panic by, um, which the Austrians call hamstring. Um, but I, now I know some of you listening to this podcast may also be in self-isolation right now. And yes, it's boring. Yes, it can get lonely. And just know that you're not alone. There are other people in the same situation as you and it will all be over soon. In the meantime, all you can really do is keep a positive attitude and try to make the most of a bad situation that you can't really control. I've personally been catching up on reading and some of my favorite TV shows, although, to be honest, a lot of my time over the last week has just been spent trying to cover the the very, very fast-moving events of the world for AFF. In the meantime, the Australian government has... um, yeah, effectively shut the borders to Australia, as I mentioned before. And because of the do not travel warning, my travel insurance is now void. So 
once my self-isolation period is up, I may have to look at returning to Australia for an indefinite amount of time, and that is if there are still flights available. Well, I don't know if you could hear that. My recording was just interrupted by an impromptu concert that's uh, happening at one of the neighbouring apartment buildings. I don't know if you've seen on the news uh, or on social media some of the um, things that have been happening in Italy and Spain and other some of the other European countries that are in lockdown at the moment. Um, some people have been playing music or performing concerts uh, from their balconies to try and cheer people up, and it's, it is actually a real thing. It is happening um, right here as well. But... Um, that's my current situation. For now, I'm safe and healthy, and I know that there are others around the world who are truly suffering. Uh, many of them are sick. Many of them have lost their jobs, and uh, my heart goes out to them. While I was in Portugal last week, I stayed at a brand new hostel, which little did I realize actually opened on the day I arrived. I had no idea that that was the case when I got there. And for the people that were working there, it could not have happened at a worse time. While I was there last week, I spoke to one of the staff members uh, at the hostel and got their unique perspective about what this crisis will mean for them and more broadly for Portugal's tourism industry. So with this whole coronavirus situation, uh, a lot of uh, people are unable to travel at the moment. There's a lot of flights that's been cancelled. Uh, governments are imposing travel restrictions. It's, it's uh, I mean, the world is slowly getting into a bit of a lockdown, which is it's quite a sad situation. Um, at the time that I record this, it's currently Thursday, the 12th of March, 2020, and I'm on quite possibly the last trip um, overseas that I'm going to be taking for quite some time uh, by the looks of uh, how things are happening at the moment, and I'm in Lisbon, Portugal. Uh, when I arrived a couple of days ago, it was kind of a surreal experience because uh, I arrived at this place um, called Draper Startup House where I'd booked. And uh, the, a whole team of um, the receptionist and the business development team and all of the people here were waiting for me. And I walked in and I said, oh, you must be Matthew. We're expecting you. It turns out they just opened on Tuesday in quite possibly the worst time to open uh, a hostel or any sort of tourism business in quite possibly the last 75 years. And it's an extremely unfortunate coincidence. But to get a bit of insight into yeah, how, this, uh, how the coronavirus is affecting just small local tourism businesses, um, I'm joined on the podcast now by Enrique Pereira, who's the Business Development Events and Ventures Manager here at Draper Startup House. Uh, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Matthew. Yeah, uh, this has been crazy. Uh, so, as Matthew said, uh, he arrived on Tuesday. We had our first guest on Tuesday. Actually, Matthew was not the first guest. He was the second one. But, yeah, um, as Matthew said, these these times have been crazy. We, we opened, actually, we were expecting the launch to be last week. But due to some construction problems and so on, we, we opened on Tuesday. And actually in Portugal, the coronavirus is something recent because let's say 15 days um, prior to the 12th of March, we were not concerned at all. Uh, we had around 10 cases in Portugal, so we were thinking, okay, this is happening in China, Asia and Italy, but it's not going to happen to us. Uh, but of course, that was not the, um, the situation and now we are facing a problem and we are going to shut down our business right now i mean you've been in business now for two days it's it's quite a sad series of events really can you talk me through like the whole process of of setting up the hostel here and and yeah what the, the work that you put into that sure sure so to give a bigger picture draper started up house is now located in 10 locations in in 10 sites all over the world so we are the 10th, um, the second one in Europe, the other one is in Estonia. So Portugal was a strategic decision. Uh, first is the gateway to Europe from the Western side. And second of all is an entrepreneurial hub that is now developing with Web Summit and, and all the conferences that we have now here. So uh, we started this project um, around like six months ago. Um, finding property, getting the license right, getting everything in check for 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 this whole project that we had in hands. Um, and yeah, six months of hard work, construction, getting everything ready. Um, a lot of a lot of breakthroughs, a lot of setbacks. 
but this last month was extremely hard because we had the we had the goal of opening in the beginning of March so we were working towards that goal and when everything was ready when we were able to to just put everything aligned and all the structure was built and we had our first bookings which was great um this virus this pandemic um virus appeared and it kind of messed with everything now and we 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 are not seeing a a date where we can operate again which is which is kind of affecting us for sure absolutely and it's affecting a lot of travel businesses just this uncertainty you just don't know what's what's going to happen how long it's going to last i mean it could be a few weeks it could be months it, uh, we just don't know at this point that's it's, true and and you guys also had planned a launch party for next week and lots of other events and publicity and that's now that's all cancelled as well exactly so being the events manager that affects me personally a lot so we were planning uh so we we opened on tuesday and we were planning a launch party on the 20th of March. So the launch party was uh, basically to bring around all the community in Lisbon, entrepreneurs, investors, um, startups, incubators, accelerators. So we already had a large pool of people that were attending. So we wanted to show ourselves to the world, explaining what we are doing and how we are trying to help the startup, digital nomad, entrepreneurial ecosystem here in Portugal and more specifically in Lisbon and we also had other events booked uh, smaller ones of course but for example we had um, we had an event booked for the 26th of March a co-living event uh, some marketing ev events as well but the launch party of course was the was the big one and we received international guidelines to to can to cancel it and of course all the community understood and they i i got some feedback saying that's the best measurement um portugal is starting now but we we saw what is happening in italy happening in spain and also germany and we know that that we can be next so let's take the measures now um for for the problem not to scale uh, so now when i received this news i was extremely sad uh, a lot of work that we we as a team put in these not only the events the launch everything the partnerships that we are doing sponsorships um and working with startups and when we hear this news after six months of hard work of course it's heartbreaking but then we think about i don't know we think globally and we think um in the bigger picture and of course now i i know it's the best measure to take and we see the the cases in portugal are doubling up day by day by day and yeah we have to regroup um think this through and come back stronger for sure yeah it's quite sad for me to see i i enjoy staying at draper startup <laughs> house I'm like i'm not here for the startup scene but um with my job um you know being able to work from anywhere it's great that i'm able to travel and the, like they, they all have co-working spaces and um within the facilities and you meet lots of interesting people so for me it's 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 a really nice place and it's, it's very sad to see that <laughs> it's this has happened after just two days yeah. do, you, do you think that you'll be able to recover financially like there's obviously a huge cost to shutting down the whole business for an indefinite amount of time for sure for sure i'm gonna be really honest with you we we are having a lot of meetings right now to decide the future but the truth is the future cannot be decided because we don't know where when is going to be the peak so we know that we are not there yet uh, we don't know if it's going to take one month, two months, six months. So we are trying to go step by step. So right now we are closed until the 31st of March. And then we are going to take a decision, to make a decision. Uh, the truth is, um, as you know, and of course, as everybody, as everybody knows, to to launch something, to build an hostel, to we have fixed costs, we have operational costs and... We have no re we have no revenue at all because we have two guests right now, and these fixed costs are are arising and they are they they will keep uh, filling up and no revenue will come in in maybe one month maybe six months maybe one year I don't know so we are floating all in the same boat right now and the hospitality sector in Portugal and in Lisbon is. They don't know what to do right now. The, since I think, since the beginning of this crisis, 
the Portugal hospitality sector had a loss of 800 million euros. So already, already, and we are in, just we are in the low season. So yeah, so we really don't know what's what's ahead of us right now. The focus, of course, and it should be, it's the health itself, and that should be the problem. But economically, this is going to 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 make a strong impact in Portugal because. Um, Portugal is our our main income is comes from tourism itself, mm-hmm. and to to see this impact on the hospitality sector, uh, transportation and so on is going to impact a lot of companies, and of course we are included in those ones. Yeah, like it's we we see quite publicly the impact that this is having on airlines and hotel chains and the the large tourism operators. But also the the smaller tourism operators are really going to be struggling, and I mean it's kind of a it's kind of a lose lose situation because you you don't want people traveling when there's a when there's a pandemic, an active pandemic, and there's a health risk. Um, but then also a lot of people will suffer from from the side effects of that. So yeah, it's it's quite sad to see. Is do you know is the Portuguese government uh, going to be offering any assistance? Have they announced anything at this point? At this point, no. So we are not tackling the problem. Uh, we should be tackling it since. They they won, but uh, right now the most important issue in Portugal. So um, of course it's uh, the vacancies in hospitals, uh, taking care of elderly, and so on. So we are we didn't come, we didn't reach the economic impact phase yet. So now we are really focused on the decisions that are being made right now throughout the day yesterday is if the schools are going to close that's a big issue right now so colleges um the state ones they closed uh about three or four days ago uh, and now uh the schools high schools middle schools are now um we are now considering if they are going to close or not or not so that's that's the big argument now because of course this as we know this virus is easily uh, spread and so the kids they they play together and they do their activities together as they should so that's the big uh, this decision and I think it's going to be taken later this evening I'm not sure yet uh, but then we have another decisions to be made uh, what about clubs uh, what about restaurants what about bars are they going to close are we going to be in a lockdown um so those major decisions are the ones being taken now so we are not yet on the part uh where the the government will support uh business when they when they are struggling being those airlines being those hostels uh, so right now portugal like as i said is a tourism country but the thing is, is not only Ubers, hostels, hotels that are going to be affected because all the commerce and all the the shops around, they they survive with tourism. Like uh, a lot of our consumption comes from people around the the world. And for example, um, both me and Matthew and our crew went to Lisbon uh, yesterday, and this is March, so it's low season, but we have a lot of travelers. We we are supposed to have a lot of travels now in Lisbon. And it was a sunny day, 27 degrees, and Lisbon was empty. So we were in the main square of Lisbon and no one was there. Uh, our Uber driver said that his business dropped 70% uh, last days in the last few in the last few days. So this is affecting everyone, and it's not just us. Of course, for us, and during lunch, it's a big thing, and we are an hospitality uh, business, so of course we see uh, a strong co- correlation of coronavirus and our and our bookings, but all the business are going to be affected. And in Portugal, we are not in a good situation economically, and I don't think the government has the means to help everyone when the recession comes. Uh, and that's the that's the harsh truth behind it. Yeah, it's it's a sad story. Uh, I I do feel really sorry for you guys. Uh, I mean, as I said, like this is quite possibly the the worst time to open a tourism and hospitality business since maybe the end of the Second World War. Just with the way things are going at the moment, I I hope that every everything recovers quickly and and maybe by the the summer season when you know the high tourist season will all be back to normal. But we, yeah, at this point we just don't know. Yeah. Do you know what? Like all of my friends, uh, a lot of my friends knew that I was opening an hostel and an hospitality business, 
and when this came and now in Portugal, the switch that the the mentality switch in the last few days were was radical. So first, Portuguese didn't care about coronavirus a little bit like like Italy a few a few weeks back, but now when it's touching us in our skin, so people just start panicking about it, and and they should because. Let's look at it. It's Italy, so they they were put on quarantine. They didn't. Um, the rules weren't followed as they should, and and the situation now there is pretty severe. And let's be honest: in Portugal, we have much less resources than in Italy. Um, we don't have the 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 hospital beds that they have, and also the instruments to fight the disease, the the virus as they have, so we cannot afford to have um, a peak right now. So that's why people are now facing the, the problem in a different, I, I think in a different mindset. So that's why all of these measures are being taken. And it was literally from one day to the other that we received the call, yeah, man, you should, you should, you should close, you should close booking, block bookings. Uh, you should cancel all the events and things just got real at that moment. Before before that, it was like, okay, we, we have to control it. We are getting bookings, so this is not this is just a phase and it's going to pass. But right now I'm seeing in the long term and to be honest, I don't think this is going to be fixed in one month, two months or even four months. So the the high season for high season I mean June, July, August and September, mm-hmm. which in Portugal is it's huge in terms of tourism. I don't think we are going to be ready to open by September and that's awful. And for our business, we were counting with those months to break even from all the investment that we did. Mm-hmm. And um, we'll have to see and decisions have, will have to be made uh, throughout this process. It's not that we have a contingency plan right now. Right now we are working in a, in a timeline of one month, I think, mm-hmm. and see how the situation develops for yeah. sure. But yeah, we just don't know. And it's uncertain. Yeah, and by the time that this podcast is released, um, I mean, the situation could be entirely changed. It's, it's just, it's unbelievable. We just, yeah. we just don't know. Enrique, thank you so much for joining me and uh, giving me that insight into, into yeah, what is a very, very unfortunate um, situation for your business. But um, yeah, I appreciate you talking to me on the podcast. Yeah, thank you, Matthew. It, it was my pleasure. And let's, let's hope for the best. I hope you found that interesting. It's not the kind of interview I would normally have on this podcast, but I think it's important to realize just how far and wide this crisis is spreading. Now, before I wrap up this episode, I want to give a couple of shout-outs. Firstly, to uh, Obi-Run Kenobi, who says, uh, finally started listening to this podcast today, nailed two eps, and looking forward to the future installments. Anything to feed the travel and points team inside me. Thanks for a great podcast. Well, thank you uh, very, very much, Obi-Run Kenobi. I appreciate it. And um, also, Ash Medalia, who says, Hi, Matt, love the podcast, especially how you go into bat for regular consumers. Keep up the great work. And this person, uh, firstly, thank you, thank you so much. And this person has a few questions. Now, the first one is, uh, I know you've covered the sudden excellent availability and value of paid seats due to the coronavirus. Is there also good availability of frequent flyer award seats right now? And the answer to that is yes, absolutely. I've never seen award availability as good as it is right now. Um, unfortunately though, that is probably going to be short lived because of the amount of flight cancellations we're seeing at the moment. So basically frequent flyer award seats are distressed inventory. So seats that the airline thinks it probably won't be able to sell for cash. So they make those seats available as award bookings so they can at least get something for them and fill the seats. And at the moment, uh, with a few exceptions, airlines are really, really struggling to fill seats, um, the problem is that if they if they get to a point where they can like not even break even on their flying, then they they may just uh, decide to cancel the flights, and that's what we're seeing in a lot of the world right now because of the the harsh travel bans that are being put in place. Um, yeah, a lot of airlines are just cancelling flights um, rather than trying to fill the seats at at a low yield um, in debt for an indefinite amount of time. But um, certainly, still um, in Australia, the domestic flights are still are still allowed. Um, they are the schedules are being cut back, but those flights that are still available, um, yeah, we're seeing very good availability at the moment. So, 
if you have points that you want to use, um, yeah, now's probably a good time to do that. Now, this person also asks if we should be worried about losing frequent flyer points if airlines go um, out of business. And I mean, it, it is a concern. Like if an airline goes out of business, then often the frequent flyer program goes with it. Um, I don't think we need to be too worried at this stage um, about this um, because it, it remains to be seen whether um, governments are going to bail out the airlines. Um, and indications at the moment look like um, in Australia, this will be the case. Um, so I, I don't want to speculate one way or another at the moment, but um, yeah, we'll just, I, I think wait and see on that one. Um, and the other question is, to what extent can airlines take advantage of the current grounding of most of their fleets to undertake heavy maintenance that would otherwise um, or usually take useful planes out of service? Now, that, that's also a very good question. Now, the normally when when you have a period of downtime like this, it is a very good opportunity to complete heavy maintenance on aircraft um, or to in, you know complete cabin upgrade programs, um, like the upgrade program that Qantas is currently in the middle of with its A380s. Um, and at the, initially when the uh, coronavirus um, issues became a problem and, and Qantas started reducing flights to China, uh, Alan Joyce, the CEO of Qantas, did actually flag that they would use the the downtime to um, to complete maintenance on their aircraft. Um, now, from a timing point of view, it's a good opportunity. The problem now is that the um, impact of coronavirus has become so great that airlines are um, in a position where they need to conserve cash, and undertaking maintenance which might not be um, necessary at the moment is not a good use of cash when when it's running in in potentially in short supply in the medium term. Um, the other thing is, it doesn't really make sense to undertake heavy maintenance at a time when the airline, when the aircraft is not due for a service. I mean, heavy maintenance is done in in um, in cycles. Um, it's it's is usually based on a fixed number of flying hours or the age of the aircraft or number of cycles, so takeoffs and landings. And if an aircraft is not due for heavy maintenance, it doesn't make sense to to especially the C and D checks can be very expensive. It doesn't make sense to do that um, when the aircraft is not nearing the number of cycles or, um, or the age where it needs to uh, have this maintenance. So for those reasons, I actually don't think we're going to see um, a lot of extra maintenance being taken out on aircraft at the moment. Uh, I'm not even sure whether Qantas's A380 upgrade program is going to continue now that the entire A380 gr uh, fleet is grounded indefinitely. Um, yeah, Qantas may do it. I, I'm not sure, and I'm also not sure whether the um, the provider, who I believe is in Dresden, the um, the company that's doing the cabin upgrades, would be able to handle the extra capacity. Um, so to answer your question, probably not, but um, it could vary, of course, from airline to airline. If you've got a question or if you'd like to leave a comment for me, you're welcome to do so on the AFF On Air discussion thread. You'll find a link to this in the episode notes. We'll also find a link to some of the other um, um, AFF articles discussed and in today's episode. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please do rate, review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you happen to be listening. This would uh, help us enormously to reach more, uh, more travellers, so I would really appreciate that. I'm Matt Graham, and I'll be back next fortnight with more news, tips and tricks for Australian travellers. Not sure where I'll be coming to you from, but I will be back in any case. And until then, happy flying and stay safe.